it's the most pukey and vomity <laughs> time of year. <laughs> I mean, if your house isn't sick this week, count yourself lucky. It feels like oh. everyone is sick. Our house was like a small hospital this small week. Hospital. Hospital. Did I say it like no, that? I, I used to say that. Sorry. Hospital um, full of. Um, oh my god! The worst Disgusting kind of gross mucus everywhere. And you know when it happens is when the first time you get the chance to relax, and yeah, that's well, exactly what happened to me. But we did know that during the Olympias we were trying to fight something off because my parents had been quite ill and we had been around them a good bit. And then the minute you relaxed, you were fucked. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> Jared was so sick this week, but you bounced back fast. But Mikey's missed a whole week off yes, school, and my heart goes out to anybody who's trying to juggle their work, home life with their sick kid life. It's impossible. It's I'm sorry. After so this week, hard. I thought it won't be that bad. He's 13 now. It's impossible. It's impossible. Give it up. You cannot. You're not going to get any work done. Nothing gets done well. <laughs> no. Because you're so worried about your kid and you're checking on them the whole time and trying to keep their temperature down and keep them yeah. out of pain. And oh my God. Absolute. I've nightmare. been in the chemist and the doctors every single day this week. Then on top of that, we had our kidney appointment because obviously I go to my kidney clinic and now Jarlett does, of course, too, because uh-huh. he has. One kidney because he donated his other yeah, one. Rolling on one wheel. And but honestly, all the reaction there. he gets in the kidney clinic is so different. I've been attending my kidney clinic for 22 years. Yeah, 22 oh, years. And they, when Jarla walks in, they're like, that's the guy. No, the, don't, don't. the woman was like, is no. that your husband? No. He's amazing. He You're... donated his kidney. <laughs> Jarlett, in a kidney clinic, you are a hero. Yeah, Everyone there needs a hit kidney. You're there because you save someone's <laughs> life. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing it's a good buzz uh, once again I recommend people donate the spare <laughs> kidney they have if they want some hero status yeah. and adulation but um, you know I, I guess this week I was a bit more conscious of what it must be like to have a long term sick kid mm. in your house if this is your life and this is what you're coping with yeah I really mean, tough exceptionally hard and you don't get a pay raise for it you don't get an awful lot of understanding I'd imagine mm. Um, I'd say you barely get time to listen to a podcast like this. Yeah, well, we have a mom who's in touch a lot with our podcast and she is um, at home a lot caring for her child who not only has health issues, but also intellectual and physical disabilities on top of that. So her it's a full time job. Yeah. And she was hoping to come to your Olympia one night and like that last minute, couldn't she do. couldn't do it. So I was like, don't worry about it. If you can get a nurse for Sunday, we'll just put you on the door. And then then she still couldn't come. What have you got for us on the show this week, Tina? Uh, I hate when you get me on the spot <laughs> like that. <laughs> I go straight I to panic. You've got, for us. You've got a neurodiversity question to yeah, start I things do. off. You also have uh, eating anxiety questions. Yeah, that's which I'm a scary starting to one. read. Oh, yeah. Maybe then, one of the toughest questions you've ever received. I think so. I think so because I'm just so worried about saying the wrong thing. Mm. Well, it's also extremely hard when you haven't met the kid or seen the behaviours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honey, you're ruining your kid at gmail.com is the place to email your questions for mm-hmm. Tina. And as we say all the time, emailing a question doesn't mean it's going to go on air. You know, no. Tina will help you no matter what. Um, so actually, make sure to get in touch. 
this week we've been getting a lot of voice notes to the Instagram, which is great. But honestly, the emails are easier to deal with because sometimes the voice notes disappear. I can't go back and re-listen, whereas I read your emails over and over yeah. and over again so I can get a clear picture. Because like Geraldine always says, I used to sit in classrooms observing children or go to houses and for like a few days until I could gauge Mm, what's going on yeah the temperament of the child and why is the child doing this because there is always a reason whatever behavior you're seeing there's a reason for it and i would be there to spot oh okay there's the pattern that's why they're doing it so back in the early days of this podcast i used to say how many times did it come down to your kid is just acting the pulp (laughs) you did say that a lot i say that a lot like yeah, but is it possible <laughs> he's just being a little dick? <laughs> yeah. And the old time, you yeah. Are, yeah, this the is the time. thing. Yeah. And that gives parents hope too. Yeah, of course. It's like, maybe it's not a huge behavioral issue that we're going to need to puzzle yeah. out. I'm sorry for doing that accent. Uh, but <laughs> so, mo- sometimes it can just be a power- catch yourself on. Well, often, that's not going to work here. The most common one is a power struggle. Right. Yeah, it is. I the boss. Yeah, I the boss. No, you're not. Yeah. I'm the boss. But still, you have to give the child the benefit of the doubt that maybe mm. there's more going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, and that can be hard too. Also, parents don't really like being told he's just acting the bollocks. Because <laughs> <laughs> that makes them feel awful. <laughs> Okay, question number one this week. Hi, Tina and Jar. Thanks for what you said on this week's podcast about neurodiversity. This was last week and how uh, this advice didn't apply to neurodiverse kids. In your opinion, is this always the case? Right. Oh, she's talking about when I was on the Kenny show talking about um, children who aren't are just school avoiders for no yeah. actual reason. Yeah. Well, she uh, I mean, the opening paragraph of this this question is really important for people that are listening to this with neurodiverse kids going well can I apply Tina's advice uh, to my kid Uh, that's what I understand this to be anyway uh, my son is nearly five and was diagnosed as autistic last May and I've done a lot of research on it and how we can support him and have uh, learned a huge amount in the last year He has a lot of sensory challenges and food is a particularly difficult one for him. A lot of what I've researched explains the reason. A lot of the time it is sensory and why certain things are challenging for him. And the same wouldn't apply to neurotypical kids. Mm. When listening to certain advice on your podcast or on social media in general, I oftentimes think, well, that doesn't apply to us. But sometimes I question, is that always the case i also think there could be some parents who are starting their neurodiverse journey Mm. or are waiting on an assessment too many of them that's for sure yeah who listen to general parenting podcasts and advice uh, and when it doesn't work or may make the situation worse they think they're bad parents uh, when dealing with all of that is so stressful anyway yeah I think the times I do question it is, if it is different for us, is often when listening to other people's opinions or, oh, that's the worst, right? Yeah, that's Over the garden fence stuff or my previous idea of what parenting, inverted commas, should be. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is half the battle, isn't it? Comparison is just 
it just saps the strength from you. I've learned to follow my gut a lot. Fair play to you. And have stopped following social media pages that give great but generic advice. Mm-hmm. And I've started following some amazing neurodiverse pages and there's heaps of those. And that's really good as well to, for her to mm. feel part of the community. Because exactly. she's going to need people who understand yeah, the situation. Who get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So her final thing here. He's definitely in a better place now in terms of regulation. He's starting to know what he needs himself and we provide what he needs or change plans to support him, which is easier to do as he's an only child. But there are still the tough and stressful days Mm -hmm. where we don't know what's causing the dysregulation. I love this podcast, Honey, You're a New York Kid, and the advice. And no, we'll all have challenges ahead of us as he changes and grows. But I'd love to know from your experience, does general advice always not apply? I get what you're saying. Incredible question. And uh, um, when this emailer got in touch, I've been a little bit uh, worried about upsetting people. Yeah. um, That I replied quite quickly being uh, like... um, I I'm hope so I didn't sorry. give you the yeah. opinion that I was <laughs> saying that when really when I read it again, I was like, she's just wondering. Yeah. And she actually got back again to say to clarify that, that she was just wondering. And I just think this mom, like she's such a cool lady. Yeah, she's on Like, it. look what she's done. Her child's yeah. only five. That is so rare to have. Uh, you know, a diagnosis and a plan of action and, you know, a sensory diet in place like She's a pretty cool person. Yeah. Also researching every angle, trying to figure it out, which unfortunately is kind of the way you need to be if you've got a child who has additional needs. You kind of can never stop. You have to be absorbing information and changing techniques all the time because mm. what works one week won't work the next week. And the hardest part of having a child with autism for most parents is that they sometimes you've reached the brow of the hill. You've gotten on top of a behavior. You're like, oh, my goodness, that's incredible. I can't believe they're not doing that anymore. And then the next day, there's a whole new thing that you got to try and work together to get through and help that child so you're kind of accumulating a toolbox i think so yeah and i love that she talked about listening to your gut because that's the most important thing for every single parent no matter what is going on in your life nobody knows your child better than you and you really have to listen to yourself because you're the main observer you're the one seeing them the whole time no doctor and no um specialized trained person is going to be able to tell you something that you don't and convince you is right if you don't feel it is so really Mm. your mommy gut is the most important thing that intuition is scary it's so good like and it's so important her question about Mm. is such an important question yeah can people with neurodiverse kids uh kids with additional needs listen to a general podcast and draw advice from it or are they better off going to specific sources like she said the instagram pages or specific podcasts for those kids it depends on where you are in your journey because absolutely definitely i don't think there is anything wrong with listening to general advice and seeing if you can apply it to your child Mm. but if you are in in a place where you're like nothing is working and those people don't understand what my situation is i definitely think then it's more 
Right. It's better to be in part of the community where you feel like there's an empathetic ear mm. to your... You need that too. Yeah. Yeah, so let's take the most... If I was to draw on some of the most general advice that you've given over the time, okay. over the two years. Yes, it's the two-year anniversary. Two years, yeah. Of when you were your kid. Now and next. Well, that's... That's actually a really good one for all children. Every we're going to be doing this now yeah. and then we're going to be doing this. That's a calming. So regardless of the yeah. neurodiversity of the yeah. kid, that's calming. For that's them. a calming technique. And, and and sometimes if your child has additional needs, it's the way you bring that into the environment that might be different. Maybe you need pictures mm. of now and next. Well, they need mm. a visual aid. But it's a or, principle. Yeah. But that principle is it, that is good for every single child. Mm. And in fact, sometimes it's more used in a neurodiversity setting whereas children who are neuro neurotypical is that how you say that they need it too that's mm. just something that it works and is a good okay. tool for most well there kids. there's one that definitely applies across the board how about always give a warning i think that's just out of respect to every child every child deserves a warning before before an action yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean that now we're headed down the territory where I'd say she is concerned. Like yeah. when we're going about talking about discipline or de-escalation oh, scripts, yeah. completely different. Scenario. Completely different yeah. scenario. Why? Because you'd have to really. I wouldn't be able to advise on that child and how you deal with that situation without observing how that child reacts. Mm. And what that child needs in order to be able to calm down. That's mm. very individual. Um, yeah. You just like there's just so many other factors happening there. There's so many different sensory mm. issues. There's like it's just really hard. That's very much. Mm. I'm not saying you couldn't issue a consequence or a warning, you know, for that child, but it would just be a very individualized plan yeah. taking there, in that child's needs. If there is a theme for today's podcast, I think that might be it. Mm. That you can email Honey, you're reading our kid. And get the benefit of Tina's 20 years of advice with severe behavior and kids of all kinds. But when you're emailing in, mm. there has to be a consciousness that she can only help you with certain situations. Yeah. Because ideally, you need to be on the ground yeah. with the individual. And like, actually, like this is where I... Like, I, I don't know, is it OK to say thrive in, is with the severely right. uh, intellectually disabled children. Those are the kids I started off with. And I, those are the kids we saw the biggest um, leaps. Yeah, you're staring at me so intensely no. that I'm worried I'm saying the wrong thing. No, I just <laughs> this is a whole part of your life. Yeah, that I just like I think I kind of sleepwalked through. I mean, when I started working in uh, just, you know, uh, primary schools that weren't any way directed towards special education. It was so easy because I was so used to dealing with children who had severe yeah. behaviours and like really the cause of these behaviours was so out of their control mm. that you were trying to just help them the whole time to navigate this world in a way that they weren't it wasn't affecting them mm. so much in this negative way whereas I mean you're just dealing with children who you know have behaviors but it's such an easy fix it mm. was so easy but like i love helping people who p parents who have a kid who has neurodiverse needs are are made feel so alone because sometimes people just give up and say well you're just gonna have to get used to that that's just yeah, how it's gonna you be got a tricky one yeah that's how yeah. it's gonna be now he 
before he has a seizure, he's maybe going to punch holes in walls. Well, that's just not the case. That child, of course, can be helped to be in a calmer place and, you know, be be able to interact in this world in a nicer way. So Mm. there is always hope. But I definitely think, yes, it's individualized. You need to know. I need to see that kid. I need to see what's what's kicking it off, what's causing it. How do I help it? How can I help that child? You know, well, I think you've answered the question really well. And I hope that that also welcomes into the conversation. These parents uh, that they listen to the show. And I know a lot of people listen to this show to hear about more extreme cases so they feel better about their situation Mm. Uh, and maybe to pick up the principles as you said I also wonder when you're saying it what the hell did people do in the past when there was no infinite number of podcasts and Instagram pages I don't know books available on Amazon delivered tomorrow Uh, you know places like jigsaw.ie I do not know I guess there was an awful lot of pain and suffering for these kids and for the parents. Oh, and a I lot of them got put in institutions. Well, I mean, you know, there's that incredible place in Ireland, St. Michael's House, which was set up by a group of parents who saw that there was an, you know... Gap. Well, yeah, the only other ones we had were Vincent's and... Uh, I can't remember the other name, but St. John of God's. And they're all religious institutions. Mm. And I've worked in all of them, but... Um, St. Michael's House was the first place for ch- people with intellectual or physical disabilities that was run by well, was parent-led and it was a parent community. And, like, you know, the and it came out of them feeling so alone and isolated. Mm. I mean, it is the hardest. I don't... My heart goes out to any parent who is struggling with that because it is a full-time job. You are not getting any sleep. And all I can say is I can come to your house, um, but if the more information you give me, the more I can help. help. You're not on your own. Never feel like this is Mm. it now. I have to put up with this for the rest of time. Yeah. And maybe you can direct them to um, the various associations. Yeah, and you know what's amazing about our podcast? I nearly slapped your knee there. Don't mind if you do. Is that other parents get in touch every single week. They go, do you know about this? Maybe you could pass this on to that mom. Link up. Oh, it's brilliant. That's the best bit. And then I'm able to forward on places I don't know about and say, you know what? Another person got in touch and said, this might be great. And it's so, I love that. It's so helpful. That's all we have time in that particular question. But uh, of course, Dean will be back to them with more. Let's get on to question number two. I know uh, you always say kids are fascinated by my face because it's so cartoon-like. I didn't know what you were going to say there. Uh, uh, like the uh, the elongated nose. Like people may not know this, but I have a rather large honker. I do not say that to you. Uh, you don't say that to me. No. About my Just elongated to be clear, honker. I do not uh, say you like got I a go honker. to the gym to bulk up the rest of my face <laughs> to balance out my nose. Like it was a lot bigger it. when it we first met. Because I was slimmer then. Oh and no, I wasn't Charlotte, that's not what I'm saying. You now, were young. I, you were I young. mean it, you get some weird looks down the gym when you're trying to use the machines to bulk up your cheeks they're like what is this guy at you're like gripping the machine handle by the mouth uh, yeah. your nose is beautiful but I did worry when you said it didn't come in till you were 14 because I was like Mikey hasn't got your nose and then you were like oh, this no. didn't come in till I was 14 I was like what oh, no. it looked like uh, <laughs> it did look like a like a party treat Jerry, you know, you're very I, handsome if I put on a pair of dark glasses it looked like it was attached to that oh it was a big nose. And <laughs> I think growing a, a, a comically large fringe, uh, thickening my eyebrows. This is a little bit of beauty care. 
thicken the eyebrows. It's all a comically to large your nose. fringe, and then a lot of facial workouts to get the cheeks pumped up. <laughs> you can balance your gigantic honker. <laughs> where is this going? See <laughs> where this is going. This week I've had so many kids stare me out of it. Kids love Jerry. It's so annoying because no, I love these babies. Aren't, these aren't looks of admiration or love. These are looks of the fuck this guy. <laughs> no, they always smile. <laughs> Looking like they're ready to fight. <laughs> like one move, buddy. Just make the move. Just make a move. We can go right here. You know, they're like in prams looking around the corner. <laughs> yeah, keep walking. Keep nah, walking, buddy. I'm always like, hello. And they're always just obsessed with your face. They, well, when it's the two of us, they look at me and go, what is up with this guy? Then they look at you and you go, hi, you little guy. <laughs> and they go, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know why. And they I, look back I, at me and I go. I'm not crazy. Like, okay, I like that guy with the huge nose. I mean, I say hello to every baby like they're going to talk back to me. You do. They're like, she seems to know me, but I do not know this lady. Every hello. baby without fail. Like, without fail. And some moms don't like it. She's pulling in the car, rolling down the window. Hello, baby. I just want Baby's a baby. Like, oh, never met that woman in my life. Our, our second question today uh, is not about kids staring at grown-ups, but that was that was my experience this week. If you have a face uh, that is get stared out of it by kids, let us know. You uh, also get stared out of it by sixty-year-old uh, women. Okay, Tina, <laughs> you're always going there. I really need some advice. This listener says I'm really struggling with my two-year-old daughter. The whining and the tantrums are oh. getting impossible. Finally, a tantrums question. We haven't had a tantrums question in yeah, ages. Yeah, finally. <laughs> I love a good tantrums question, right? From the minute she wakes up, everything is a whine and a challenge. From getting dressed, trying to leave the house, changing her nappy, brushing her teeth. Everything is done with tears and tantrums. Aww. By the end of the day, we're both exhausted and I just feel like the worst parent on the planet. And that sucks. Well, why We've is all she feeling those that days. way? What do you mean? Well, how's she reacting? She to can't the get her kid to do things without it being a big drama. Yeah, but I only ever feel like I'm the worst parent in the world if I've lost the cool. You would feel like you've failed if this is your kid. This is the, like, how have I not raised my kid to know? She's only two. But you put it on yourself. That's yeah. what this mom is saying. You okay. blame yourself. Always. Yeah. We all do it. She says, I've tried getting down to her level. Explaining why whinging isn't an acceptable behavior. <laughs> Sorry for laughing, Let's, but she's two. <laughs> Tina, you know two-year-olds. Like, I know, but she two might. Two-year-olds are full of chat. Oh, look, two-year-olds are. I love. I'm well aware, but you can't tell a two-year-old stuff whinging. Well, she says to her. Well, what she can do is the other thing she's doing. She says, "I let her have her emotion." And I'm there for her. For well, a that's cuddle. really good. Yeah, I've tried ignoring her, bribing her, <laughs> <laughs> bribing her with consequences. Now, I would call that threatening. <laughs> We've all done that. Bribing with consequences, anyone? If you don't do that. <laughs> that's a really good way happen. of putting it, though. Bribing it? with consequences. Uh, I've tried getting cross. I mean, we've all tried that one. Mm. Nothing seems to give her the help she needs with the big emotions. Oh. I have ended up shouting and arguing with a two-year-old. Oh, that's tough, yeah. Which is ridiculous. And I'm terrified 
I'm going to damage our relationship and in the future have a mother-daughter relationship full of trauma. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I just want to be the best parent for my daughter. Please help Anonymous. Well, you're already being a great parent because you're already trying to figure this out. And that is more than most. I always say that. I'm sorry for laughing. Yeah, I am sorry too. I just, the idea of telling a two-year-old to stop whinging is very funny. Like, you've totally forgotten. Like, two-year-olds act like they're 50. Yeah, but I mean... Particularly girls. Like I always said, remember I said to you that they're like drunk and old ladies drunk with their handbags ladies, yeah. and sunglasses and top hats on. Oh, they're right? so cute. But they're, the one of the main things to remember is if you, if you have a two-year-old in your house, and I feel like when people know this, all of a sudden it's a lot easier to parent a two-year-old. They are going through a very sensitive period of order right. in their life. Right. They are, it is so high, this sensitivity to how things should be, that they cannot control that. They are striving for everything to be just the way they want it, okay? And they're not doing that out of badness or boldness or power or they're just in this way. Like this is a thing we now know about two and three year olds is that they expect things to be a certain way. Like if you are with a two year old and you take off your jacket it might upset them if you hold your jacket over your arm because that is not where jackets go. Jackets are worn. If you're with a two-year-old and you eat your cereal out of a cup instead of a bowl, that is going to upset your two-year-old. If you're with a two-year-old, I'll do the last one, I promise, and they ask for a banana and you cut it up without asking them, that oh, is going to upset we've all seen a two-year-old. That. I need you to cut my sausage for me. Yeah, you need and you to cut ask. it in half and they meant cut the ends off. Yeah, like it is really is a phase. But they are really have a very. And did you never grow out of that? (laughs) No, I didn't. I know. Tina Uh, has her order. Yes. I think that's why I was so fascinated when I learned about this, because it was something Maria Montessori really noticed in all her observations. And once you understand that, then it doesn't seem like they're being bold or whinging. Yeah. Then you're like, then you really help this mom, because that does sound like exactly what she's going through. Because everything from the toothbrush to the clothes. Yeah. And so how can we arm this mom? How can we help her get through today? First of all, this is when a visual schedule would change her life. A visual visual schedule music bit here. Visual (laughs) schedule. (laughs) Visual schedule. They're like so easy to do. Well, not so easy for me. I was lucky to live with an artist. Jarla Regan over here. I can't draw for shit. But if you can't draw, you could print out pictures. Yeah, you can find these online very yeah. easily. Uh, and it's just an A4, A3 page in the bedroom where you've got her waking up in the morning, getting out of bed, brushing teeth, sitting on a toilet, getting dressed, going downstairs, having your breakfast, getting ready for whatever you're next to do. I, I imagine she's going yeah. to nursery. And this visual schedule... It just helps the child see exactly what's expected of her in the morning Mm -hmm. and what she's supposed to do. Great. That's going to work. Obviously, you know, this kid has a lot of opinions. She wants to do her own thing. So that's where we get into you need to offer choices. Stop trying to win the argument. If it's like put on this dress and she doesn't want to stop trying to win that. But what you can do is be fair and go, I have two dresses. dresses. You get to choose which one you can wear. Do not bend on that. Do not go, okay, I picked the wrong two dresses, I'll pick two more. Yeah. 
These, These are two are the dresses. dresses. You're offering her a choice. That's great. She'll feel that is fair. You know, the um, now and next. Always saying, now we're doing this. Next we're doing that. Or when and then. You know, now and next. When and then. Was really, when and then? When and then is. When we do this, then we're doing this. Yeah. So that's more Figure about. Figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> when and then is more about, you know, if they're trying to get something. Like they're uh, trying to, you know, get screen time. When or we have our dinner. Yeah. When we, we can then watch telly. Yeah. But now and next is more about just preparing them for what's happening yeah. now, what's happening next. And then, you know, no consequences for a two-year-old, please. No timeouts, please. Definitely talk about feelings. Read loads of books about feelings that are talk about her feelings. Definitely mm. encourage that. Please don't punish a two-year-old. And what about the raising your voice? Because we've all done it. I don't think you should do that with a okay, two-year-old either. I know either. we shouldn't do it. But, like, she's having difficulty not doing it. Mm. What do you do? What do you say to a person who's in that situation? Because this, this goes across the board. Oh, yeah. I would say this. Make sure your child is safe. Leave that room you're in with your child. Scream into a pillow. Count yeah. to ten. You know, do what you have to do and then go back. God, and they do test you, though. Yeah, but I mean, shouting at a two year old is just teaching them how to shout. Yeah. What was that book I'm reading at the moment? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but they were saying in this book that however calm you are mm. is exactly how calm your kid is going to be. Yeah, no, they will try to match really your energy. Good observation. And also, but if you have a kid that's shouting, well, if you're if there's no other shouting in the house, mm. they're gonna sound pretty dumb. Also, even if she does, she doesn't have the energy to do everything I just told her because it's hard. She's at the end of her tether. She uh, might not be yeah. in a place where she can do that right now. The best advice I can give anyone with a two or a three year old is distraction right yeah yeah get them busy doing something what's this over here what's this over here and give them a wipe get them to wipe the table all of a sudden you tell them to do something they're doing the thing you said give them some work give them something to do clean the gutters (laughs) (laughs) occupy their hands get her to brush her own hair get her involved they want to do they want to be active you know if she's across the windscreen if you feel like she's whinging do something like, you know, spill something by accident on the floor, put the mop in her hand. Wow. All of a sudden, she's completely in another yeah. place. You can't, I'm sorry, you can't give out to a two-year-old. They're learning and they don't really know why they feel yeah. that way. Do They're not, not sure what you're doing when you're doing Please do this. not put your child on time on out. naughty step. Naughty step, isolation, up to the room. Please don't do that. Distract or take yourself out of the room until you're in a better place to come in and talk to your child. Okay, right, well... My heart goes out to these people because... Yeah, it's exhausting. Look, the fact is as well, she's probably not getting as much sleep as before. Of course not. And it's you've so got to cut yourself a bit of slack mm. there. If the kid is going for a nap, I know it's so... You could you couldn't nap. Don't say it, Jerk. No mom has the Tina, luxury to do that. This mom sounds like she needs more sleep. Yeah, but... Every mom sounds like they need more sleep. Yeah. Who's helping with that? I don't have you know. got any help at all yeah. to get you more sleep? Because here's the thing that I've learned about sleep is that like you can actually be in a sleep deficit. And you said in episode one of this show, look, you've got to kind of give up the ghost on the sleep a yeah. little bit and accept that, right, there's going to be a good few years of my life here where I'm not going to get exactly the sleep I want. But you can catch up on it. Yeah. You can catch up some way on it. I just always there's feel two bad, batteries. like dangling sleep. In dangling front sleep of in front of people. I get it. But I'm just saying... If you uh, enlist the help of others or say to somebody, this is what I'm struggling with, 
my my temper is frayed mm. with the child because I'm a bit sleep deprived. Which is understandable, yeah. by the way. Like, give yourself a break on that. As long as you're not actually doing anything with that temper, of course you're going to feel frazzled. Of course you are. Yes. And thank you for getting in touch with us. And I hope that was helpful. But like, definitely, you know, you're not on your own. And if you want to get back to us with a yeah. little bit more information, I can definitely help yeah. you, you set up. If you need me to do a visual schedule, <laughs> very happy to do it. I can, you can commission one right Charlie, <laughs> that's baloney. You will have not, you will not do that. <laughs> I might, I might, you never know. You, uh, you, never, you never know. know. <laughs> Strap in. This is the biggest question we've ever had on the show hi tina and charlotte i love the pod and have been a listener since episode one two Legend. years ago holy moly a lot of your advice has helped me previously with my own daughter and now we're facing a very serious issue my daughter as an only child is six and a half she is always a happy child until recently and used to go around singing all the time last march she was on a weekend trip away with her dad and may have had a tummy book or eaten something funny. But whatever the cause, she had a vomiting incident for the first time in her life in the airport on the way out. She was really upset by this and spent the whole weekend crying about it. She eventually recovered and went back to her normal self. The summer went by and she started senior infants in quite a happy mood. In December, we went on a week's holiday and in the airport, she announced that she was not going to eat anything because she was worried about vomiting again. I think it was the airport setting that brought it all back to her. And we mm. decided to downplay it and told her that was her choice, but continued to offer her food and snacks on her normal schedule. She did eat some food over the week, mostly sweets, but she didn't really eat normally again until okay. we got home. Just after we got home, unfortunate timing, a girl from another class had a vomiting incident in the yard during lunchtime. My daughter became extremely upset and had to go to the office and be calmed down. She told us about it afterwards and was clearly upset about the vomiting itself as the girl was apparently fine afterwards. Since then, she has been telling us she feels unwell mm -hmm. constantly and often thinks she is about to get sick. She's been trying to avoid school crying at the drop uh, at drop off for the first time ever i've advised the school that i want to avoid coming in to pick her up early if she says she's unwell although i'm happy to talk to her on the phone and reassure as i don't want this to turn into a full-scale school avoidance issue last week when my husband picked her up from her granny's after school she had a full-on panic attack in the oh car God. She was screaming, oh God, oh God, please don't let me die. Saying she couldn't breathe, shaking and crying. By the time I got home, she was a bit calmer, but still upset and saying she was going to get sick. Every night since, when she has refused to go to bed, crying and begging us to take her temperature as she insists she's sick, her temperature has always been normal and the complaints of feeling ill stop once she's calmed down. We've tried multiple approaches with her nighttime fears, listening sympathetically, allowing her to talk about it for as long as she likes. Uh, B, brushing it off and trying to reassure her that we know she is fine. Showing concern and taking her temperature to show her it's normal. Refusing to take her temperature because she needs to deal with her fear itself rather than 
only calming down when she has definitive proof that she's not sick. Another option we've tried is spending hours with her trying to calm her down, Mm -hmm. saying we can only stay five minutes. We'll come back in a half an hour in the hope that she will soothe herself and go to sleep. Nothing is working. One thing might work to get her to calm down, go to sleep one night, but the next night, it's back to square one. We've tried these bunny breaths as advised by her teacher when she is in a panic. And we also do five things you can see, four things you can hear, etc. to ground her when she is worried. It works temporarily, but the worries immediately come back. On the plus side, she is eating normally and hasn't continued the food avoidance that happened on holiday. She also hasn't actually vomited at all since the original incident. We're trying to get her on an appointment with a child psychologist, but there is a long waiting list, which is absolutely ridiculous, if you ask me. In the meantime, can you suggest any techniques that could work against her phobia and general anxiety? It seems like every approach carries a risk that we could be making things worse. I know we all we will never get our I know we will never get our happy child back. I don't agree with that. You will, of course. But when you're in it, you think it's never going to pass. But I would give anything to save her from a lifetime of anxiety and phobias. I suffer from anxiety myself and my worries are compounded by the guilt of wondering if I've passed this on to her the other night. She told me she hasn't been happy since the girl got sick in the yard and asked me if she would ever be happy again. My heart is absolutely broken for her. Thanks so much for any advice you can give Anonymous. Holy moly, Tina. What do you do when you get an email like that into the mailbox? Oh, I get get really frightened (laughs) that I'm going to say the wrong thing. And also, I just want to help this mom. Like, we do know from personal experience how an illness can affect a child for a long time afterwards. Psychologically. We had a terrible time where Mikey had a really bad vomiting bug and then slept, walked. Is that how you say it? Yeah, he was sleepwalking for months. Months. Afterwards. Every single night after this. No idea what it was about all stemmed from the vomiting book and he wasn't awake no doing the walking i was classic sleepwalking and sometimes very panicked sleepwalking and Uh it just went on for ages Ages. and then like we if finally stopped we stopped but you handled it so well like i was so grateful that you were there to deal with it because just like this mom you tried all the different things mm. and whatever was working, you went with that. Yeah. And, and, and we we also encouraged the journal that we're always banging on about. You also wouldn't talk about it with him. No, I didn't. I didn't allow. That is something. But our kid was a bit older. Yeah. But I did realize he was kind of wanting mm-hmm. to talk about it a lot. Yeah. Sometimes so I, I would, wondered, was he asleep? I definitely was like, that's fine. That That's OK. We dealt with that last yeah. night. Um. This this is a really hard one because this is very serious. Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, she's not sleeping. She's sounds to be quite upset and like they're mm. saying hours, hours to calm her down. I mean, a panic attack in a young child is no joke. That is scary and they need help. So well done you getting your name down for that uh, appointment. I'm so sorry how long it will take. I, th- I heard it takes up to two years. What? Yeah. Um, so I mean, that time I found a lump and they were like, yeah, we'll get you in for a scan. Yeah. And like two years later, they were like, do you want to get that lump scanned? Did we ever get that lump scan? No. Charlotte, that's terrifying. Why are you telling me this now? The lump went away. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just like, what kind of a system is this? I don't know, but this like... This woman needs immediate help. She My needs first immediate thought was Kira Taylor and Taylor Made Babies, which is our sleep expert who's been on the show before. I don't know if she deals with kids that old and with right. that kind of an issue. I could be wrong. Yeah. Maybe she does. But actually, what I was going to say was... Um, I'm not really sure how to answer this question, but I always know kids feel safer with knowledge. So if this was my child, I would arm them with facts. I would teach them about the digestive system. I would teach them about germs. I would teach them about how uh, our immune system works. I would really go heavy on getting books about the body and the functions of the body and how the body works. The more that child is informed, the less scary it all is. She's obviously, when she had that vomiting thing, that was the worst she'd ever felt. Then she told it was over and then she saw another person having that and was like, oh God, this could happen to me again. Then she's kind of now worried about when am I going to be sick again? There's a worry, unconscious worry, I'd imagine, in her that she's just a little bit unsettled as to when am I going to be okay. Then she's... We've also, these children have been raised through COVID, where they were all terrified of germs. I mean, their play was washing their hands and Mm -hmm. they were so germ aware. And she's also aware of aging and that people do die and that people get sick and they die. So I would say everything this mom is already doing and dad is really, really good. The only things I would introduce to the mix are definitely keep her name down for the child psychology thing. Uh... Definitely uh, keep being very rational and... Sorry for yawning. Well, well, like I've seen you... That's my first yawn at the episode. When Tina says that she wasn't talking to Michael about his thing, I think that your approach of really rationally being careful and kind... Yes, that's... But not giving it Yeah, so more. If, if, you're, if she brings up her worries... What I mean about it is you say, thank you for telling me that. It's good to know that. And you move on. You yeah. don't indulge thank in the worry. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for telling me that. That's really good to know. And move on. Distract. Yeah. Move somewhere else. But like, I'm not saying that your kid is doing this for attention. No, I wouldn't say that. I'm not that. saying that at all. No. But I am saying that, like, it must feel special. It must feel special on some level. To have, to have all, all of mom and dad's attention. Mm. And like, I'm not the one who's trained in this. No, but, but I am a lad who loves a lot of attention. Yeah, well, we do know that kids will crave attention and they will seek it out and mm. go for wherever they can yeah. find it. But there's no way she's enjoying no this way. because she'd be exhausted Completely. from this. Yeah. Um, 
I personally would arm her with facts. I would really teach right. her about. There are amazing TED Eds and Curse Cassette videos on yeah. YouTube you that are brilliant. You've got to be careful when you're getting the info. Yeah, they're brilliant uh, little videos that help the child understand what's happening in their body. There's incredible body books. I would go into the school and I would ask them to do about the immune system. Yes. Like they're always looking to do projects. Yeah, enlist the teacher. Enlist yeah. the teacher's help. And, uh, and say how, how normal. Or, or how amazing the system is mm. that it's taking care of us. Yeah. And that when we vomit. We're rejecting a germ. It, it's our body. Actually protecting somebody us. Yeah. yeah the, like definitely educating her on how her body works and what the functionality of it is. Is yeah, so important. I wonder important. if they had that chat even because like really we tend not to. But then kids are. Well, we tend to follow our kids' interests, and if one yeah. of their interests isn't that, but she is interested, and it's an, it, she doesn't understand what her interest is, it's actually right. frightening her. Yeah, like the sleep thing, I don't know what to say to them because that is really, really tricky. Very tough, but I do think tailor-made babies will have seen something similar. Yeah, so tailor-made babies is the sleep ex- expert that we've had on the show before. Mm, she's and she amazing. Claims, Kira Taylor claims to have seen everything. I know, but so, she is more young babies. But you know, she and what age is getting? Six and a half. Right. So Still, uh, I love the mom's approach of she's got to go to school. Yeah. Because she's right. You you give her an inch. Yeah. She's not. You're never going to get her back in. So yeah. well done. Bell's that takes a lot that. of guts. Yeah. I've stopped saying spunk. <laughs> this week I said that takes a lot of spunk. And Charlotte and Mikey were like, never say that again. <laughs> not a great word. Um, um, fair play. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get back to this mom with more. Okay. And maybe in the coming weeks we'll let guy, people know how it all plays out. Yeah. And also to our listeners, you guys, if you know of anywhere, because I was trying to find a dietitian that specializes in food with young children issues yeah. and all i could find was food that's associated with trauma yeah. or really severe uh eating yeah. so if you know something yeah if you know something or of somebody like we yeah. know jigsaw but i don't think they go this young yeah i mean please let's pool our resources but uh yeah no um i will go get back to this moment more but i do think if she tried to arm her with knowledge with facts, with information, I think she'd be surprised how much calmer that child is when she knows what the functionality of all these things is. Well, Gina, thanks so much for this episode. That is all we have time for here on the free platform. If you're listening to this on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, please give us a rating, a comment, a subscription. It all helps. Uh, I know that thousands of you are enjoying the show. Uh, So if each of you this week did a small favor of giving us a little rating, comment and a subscription, it would zoom us up the charts and that would be pretty awesome. Uh, This is my kidney anniversary week, the week uh, in which we celebrate seven years since I donated kidney to my brother. Uh, So if you are uh, somebody who wouldn't mind donating after you move on, you should be carrying a donor card. Uh, I will be talking a lot about it this week. And I will be touring. The Your Man Comedy Show is coming to Leicester on uh, February 8th. Then on to Birmingham on the 9th. Uh, the Set Theatre in Kilkenny for a show, uh, uh, two shows. One of them is sold out. But there's a few tickets left for these upcoming shows, including Bray uh, on the 15th and 16th. 
and a couple of tickets left for Bristol on the 17th. Tina, thanks so much. Come on over to Patreon to hear the juicy good stuff for um, all our members. Can I just say, Jared, thanks for doing the show today because Charlotte is so sick. On smithereens, yeah. Uh, I do notice that our episode wasn't as full as last as it normally is. <laughs> and I need to raise <laughs> my game. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for doing the episode, and I have no idea how you got no through worries. it.